So anyways, uh, have you uh, seen Brent at all? I, it's 7 o'clock. Yeah, dude, I tell him every week, like, 7 o'clock is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to record these. And then he just doesn't come in. I have no idea what's up with him. Welcome to Pop Culture Cake. Oh, my God. Who is that? It is I, Lucifer. The, the morning star? Oh, No, God. it's just me. It was me. Oh, Everyone what? calm down. Why would you do that to me? It was me, Brent. I'm, I'm so glad my mic has a mute button. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's uh, Pop Culture Cake. I'm your host, Brent, for this evening, and I'm here with Adam. Hey, this is Adam. And Dane. This is Dane. And I am... Who might need a clean pair of underwear now. <laughs> and I am the morning star, the fallen angel, Brent. Hey, it's a great name. Yeah, Did you change you. it for, for, for podcasting? No, God gave it to me. <laughs> oh, well, well, all right. <laughs> yeah, try not to mess with stuff that, he's, that or they have done with. Anyway, I was thinking about what we could talk about, and I figure we just take a relaxed approach. But you know, if it's not given away by the intro, we're going to start off with Lucifer, the show based off of Neil Gaiman's... Is it Gaiman or Gaiman? I think it's Gaiman, but... Neil Gaiman's... Gaiman. Neil Gaiman. Gaiman's... There it is, okay. Sandman, which had a side character called. He also had a comics. Yeah, he had his own. Yeah, yeah. But that's where I was introduced to the character was in Sandman, and I mean the character, not the religious figure. That obviously I knew about Satan, Lucifer. From what? <laughs> I don't know. Just like osmosis, right? Like you hear about you hear about Adam and Eve, you hear about the garden, you hear about the snake. Although I don't know, Who? I, I don't know if there's any theological connection between the snake and Satan. In the Bible, I haven't read uh, it that that well. Actually, not really. But let's not make this a theology podcast. The concept of the apple is also not endemic to Christianity. That was added later. It was just called the fruit of knowledge. Which, yeah, who cares? Yeah. It was yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, it does. It has nothing to do with this this absolute garbage show that I love so much that I really I really adore. <laughs> Don't 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 you call my show garbage? I adore <laughs> it. I'm I'm so into it. It's it's sad how into it. Also, I just love the fact that it's always Fox. That Fox it was Fox, but always Fox is like we're conservative on the news end, but then on the on their entertainment end, it's the most debaucherous shit. Like, like oh man, you're right. Like a show where Lucifer is your protagonist and an antihero. Um, yeah, he's uh, definitely the he's definitely considered. Okay, so this is not. Uh, the Lucifer Morning Star of biblical fame. Technically, this is a comic book hero, like Brent alluded to. He's kind of a misunderstood figure throughout the series. He's placed as somebody who has always been somebody who told the truth, who makes deals, who is honorable, and he was cast out for daring to challenge his father. So kind of the Paradise Lost version of Lucifer instead of a more traditional version. I mean, he is petulant, right? Oh, he's very petulant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it it, do, it does in the later seasons. And I'm not sure how the books go, but it does kind of uh, reframe it as like, yeah, this character has flaws, is flawed, is not very the source so. of all evil, but is flawed, and had some honest criticisms of his father and their relationship, his father being God, and that they were both just kind of not communicating with each other correctly you know i don't think there's like like when they brought in his when they brought in god for real 
in this most okay hold on i'm so sorry yeah i was gonna say let's back back it up i'm gonna back it up the show takes the format of a police procedural as all shows must there's no other way to deliver content to you unless it's in the form of of a police procedural so yeah i've 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 understood that to be the the only relatable format yeah lord of the rings yeah absolutely police Police procedural uh some other books that i don't know the names of because i can't think of anything yeah totally like uh paradise lost for example uh castle i mean i i I love nathan fillion but apparently i gotta watch him as a tag along with the police officer that is an actual that is an actual police procedure we're talking about you're not understanding the bit (laughs) like we're picking we're we're picking narnia for example classic police procedural yeah harry potter police procedural oh yeah obviously yeah yeah Fahrenheit 451 police procedural song of ice and fire police procedural oh clearly other good books Earthsea Uh, is that a book that a series of book lord yeah lord of the flies you're right yeah police procedural I want to watch that I want to watch that lord of the flies movie again oh that's kind of rough but hey hold on I actually want to say where are we coming from like has any of us actually read the comics on which the series is based Uh, again I've read I've read Sandman I have not read the Lucifer books I have never touched a single one. I've only experienced it through the series. Have you not watched Sandman? I mean, read Sandman? I have not. Oh, that's a good read. I would read Sandman. Okay, yeah, maybe. I I'll can't get up. past the old school art. I, you know, I think they're redoing it though, aren't they? With newer they're, art, they're doing an. They have an audiobook out right now that is fully cast. It has the guy who played Young Professor X in the Up and Down X Men movies, and as Dream of the Endless. And there's also they're also doing a live action show on Netflix, I think, where they've cast a black woman as death. And I'm very glad to, to, to say that I did not or have not perceived a lot of backlash, although I'm sure it's out there. I have not seen it. And that's enough for my soul. But as far as this show, it's real. Uh, look, it's a rough start, I would say. The first season, it's rough. It starts OK, but it's rough. It kind of wears its premise out as it's. The, as just by the nature of the characters involved, the scope of the of what's happening is going to quickly escape the police procedural aspect of it. And I think they actually did an admirable job of stretching that that concept as far as it could go. Right, because I mean, at least from the outset, you basically have narcissistic Lucifer teamed up with good cop, and she is all like not into his not animalistic his diabolic charm. His, his hedon, his hedon, yeah. his hedonistic charm, right? There it is. Yeah, his his ability to seduce literally anyone, anywhere, anytime. And he also has a, she, he has like his his one magical power that besides mm-hmm. being an angel, which I guess provides us a, a, a shit ton of other powers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that are like like in like nine vulnerability um, and strength, etc. Is that he can he can ask you like if he if he asks you what your does your your most what does it you desire? Yeah, if you ask your desire, people are immediately they're in, it's almost like a vampire, right? They're like enchanted. They're like coaxed they have into to tell them. Yeah, they have to tell them. And the the main female lead is exempt from that for some reason. And that's kind of like the early, which is a which becomes apparent later on. But they the initial premise is pretty difficult to watch unless you enjoy police procedurals, which I mean, I'm not going to lie, kind of kind of yeah, on too. the outs right now, kind of on the outs. It does feel it does feel old. It does feel mm-hmm. a little arc- like the first, especially the first two seasons. You really you really get the an understanding of of like this show 
existed it just before a cultural shift, I think. And its style and its energy is very much of that era and not so much of the current, right? I didn't watch the show when it started. It started in 2016, not that long ago, but, you know, in half a decade, tastes change. And those first two seasons felt very, like in a weird way, felt like remnants of early 2000s Fox, like yeah. Angel mm-hmm. and all that other stuff. Like the just the lighting was weird and the energy. But, you know, the premise is cool. And then eventually, you know, Netflix picked it up. Yeah, because Fox canceled it. Right. Fox canceled right. it. And then Netflix. Like they do. As they are wanting like to they do. do. Yeah, I it's I've never watched it, but my friend tells me that I need to. It's on my it's always one of those shows on my to-do list, and then it's just like something else just comes up. Well, again, like we said, it's kind of rough to get into. It actually, you know what? It falls into the same category as Parks and Recs. And like you have to get to a certain point where different writers got involved and suddenly it becomes a really good show. And they start complicating the show a little bit into end of season two and beginning of season three where they start introducing the family dynamics component like they had it in the earlier part of the show but they start introducing the mother character in particular which is you know definitely heresy if you're a traditional christian but there's a goddess of creation who enters the show yeah and i think season three is really where the to your point where the show picks up and thankfully the first two seasons are rather short i mean season one is only 13 episodes season two is 18 right it isn't until season three, which is, again, the only season <laughs> where they get the full 26 episode run and they're able to really get their feet underneath them. And it's also the season where Fox cancels them, which is unfortunate. You know, it probably gets a lot. Well, of that's just them. that's just how they are. Yeah. <laughs> so the next three seasons are also quite short, 10, 16 and 10, respectively. The la- that last 10 being season six, which has not come out yet. And, it, it, and it's OK. It's pretty good. There are a lot of gimmicks that the show has by nature of TV where Lucifer doesn't learn certain lessons and is ever. Yeah. And but you do see him grow as a character, which is nice. He becomes more empathetic and he starts to shed some of that cynicism that he has to confront his father, his mother, his brother on their issue, their longstanding millennia old issues in a way that actually is meaningful there's the character growth of Mazikeen is particularly interesting to me. Yeah, definitely. And I also like Kane. Kane is a is Yeah, a, you know what? I really liked Kane too. Yeah. Kane was good. I think if I were to if I were to recommend a season, I would almost just look up recaps for season one and two and then watch start with season three. But it, it's not too hard to get through. For those of you don't know, including Dane, uh Mazikeen is a demon who follows Lucifer to Earth as his personal bodyguard. And then it becomes integrated into human society and has to come to terms with empathizing with the beings that she tortured in hell. And then Cain is literally Cain of biblical fame, the first murderer cursed with immortality in this universe and trying to die, which is itself interesting. Yeah. And then he eventually realizes that he doesn't want to die and it's too late. And I don't know. He's a yeah, villain. Right. He's a villainous character. Spoiler, he, by the he, way. He, no, he totally is. Yeah. Um, you do not like him. He's gross. I got a Lego set I was going to maybe build this weekend. Maybe I'll put that on while I watch that. Or uh, I mean, honestly, that. that's pretty great. What Lego set are you building? So there's Lego did a botanical series. My partner picked up this like a uh, bouquet one, which she put together, which is really cool. And then she, we also got the uh, like a bonsai tree. Maybe I'll send you guys a picture real fast. Cool. 
But in the meantime, like that sounds like it is a good show if you're going to watch the first two seasons to put in the background. Otherwise, I would recommend looking at the visuals because there's a lot going on that is expressed purely through expression and head tilts that you're going to miss if you're not paying attention. Yeah, there's also going to be a lot of, you know, I tweeted about this and I don't remember the tweet, but there's like a lot of recurring gags where like Lucifer will say something wild. The detective, the female lead, will will look at him incredulously, and then Lucifer, and, she, and then she, and then she'll walk off in frustration, and the camera will will cut to Lucifer looking at her like I don't get it. What have I done? And following after her, he is unfortunately one of the major criticisms I do have the, the of the show is Lucifer's inability to not be a narcissist. Like yeah. every every episode is murder suspect or murder situation and character did one thing potentially suspecting the family oh this is like the time my father murdered everyone i loved it's like no no this isn't about you lucifer or like anytime he goes to his therapist which is an interesting concept that gets turned into a joke he he goes to his therapist and his therapist will try to give him some honest to goodness advice and he'll fully misread what she's saying and walk out of the session before she can correct him. Every every time. To do some hijinks. Oh, another great character, the therapist. She's uh, a very complicated character that goes through a pretty serious set of arcs because she starts off as just a, I don't know, a plot piece and eventually becomes a integral part of the story. But overall, I mean, I mean let's talk about the most recent episodes. I hate Mikael. I hate the concept. I hated the character. I Come on, didn't Michael? want him. No, M- Mikael. Who's Mikael? Michael. Oh, Michael. It's just it was just how they decided to insult him because he has the same underlying narcissism as Lucifer. Right. Yeah, I think his accent's weird. It's the same actor who plays Lucifer. Yeah, literally. He's, he's doing one. he's doing a weird American accent. And, it's painful. And well, but that's kind of clever though. <laughs> I do kind of like that. Yeah, because they're twins. He eventually gets scarred, so he can't he can't impersonate Lucifer. It's apparently his number one skill set, and it's all just a a flipping on the head of the traditional Christian narrative of Michael, the archangel, defender of heaven, versus Lucifer, the enemy. Because... Michael, Michael. Speaking of what we're about to talk into, yeah. I'll, you know, I'll I'll wait. You go ahead and finish your thought. Oh sorry. well, I mean, it's a it's a it's a simple point, like. In Lucifer, the TV series, the character Lucifer is strong, he's confident, he's handsome, he's all the things everyone wants to be. And then in reverse of the traditional narrative, Michael in the show is cringing and lying and conniving. He's he's basically the traditional definition of the devil. And so it's basically just taking the Christian narrative and turning it on its head. Yeah. And also, Michael, to me, and what we're going to talk about next, makes it is like a very is very much in that trope of Loki. Mm-hmm. Bef- yes, I would bef- agree. And Lucifer kind of represents Loki whenever Loki's made a face turn to me. That's interesting, and I kind of I can see that. Yeah, I mean, obviously more bumbling because especially recently Loki has never, and they've been doing this since 2012, where Loki. You know, from a incredibly competent supervillain to just some dude. Yeah, kind of a bumbler. But you know, back to this for this list for this Lucifer season before we talk about Loki. Yeah, he becomes God. Yeah, totally. Yep. Yeah. So his dad, who is the Allstate man, retires and 
That's where Allstate stands. Yeah. And they, by Allstate. he leaves it up to his children to decide and they decide to vote. And it actually, I do like that there was no, that it didn't matter, right? It, does, it wasn't about a vote and it wasn't even about, there is no, as far as I can tell, though him surviving in heaven does lead some credence there being like an actual magical, like or a spiritual or whatever upgrade. But that it seemingly was like, yeah, it doesn't matter which one of us claims to be God, since we all are equal in power and, and or to some extent self-actualize that power. But that it was like, which of us deserves it or which of us do we do we trust with each other with? Okay, and this is where the show went completely Christian, because the way he achieved that was through self-sacrifice. He went full Jesus mode and gave his life for a person he loved, the detective, and therefore ascended to godhood. Yeah. Although I don't know if he's all that much more powerful than the others anymore, or if it was just that he didn't die, like that he would have died if he had gone to heaven the way that he was, and that by sacrificing himself he changed or proved that he had changed and was able to fly back down or if it was like he actually got cocooned in in light and turned into god proper and all of that is speculative because the series or at least the season ended with him just being like okay i guess i'm god now yeah and so you're right it's a good question and it's ultimately unclear at the end of this season but I don't know. At the same time, I was just genuinely unsatisfied with how it, the season ended. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think I do think as much as I criticize the p- police procedural aspect of it, the show doesn't have its sea legs in it for being a show that doesn't have a police procedural aspect to it as like mm-hmm. the main through line. Although they 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 do make choices that I think are interesting. Like, like Lucifer does not kill Michael, like refuses to. True. And also they kill Dan. They yeah. Kill- the, the, this second half of season five, which season five was broken in half for unclear reasons to me. But I actually really enjoyed it up until the last episode because, I don't know, I'm just a sucker for musicals. And there's one episode where the Allstate man totally becomes a musical director and makes every scene a musical number. And I just loved it. And the through line of that was fun for me because it was like, oh, so he is like Lucifer. They're both into music. So I don't know. Aww. I enjoyed that. And also I it cried. Was- I cried when Dan died. When this, the Dan, yeah, Dan is the, is the ex-husband of the detective and the father of their child. And literally when Dan turned around to run, I was like, oh, he's definitely going to make, oh, yeah, big cry. Yep. Because they- he, he he was such a sympathetic character. He was the normal guy. He was just the guy caught up in everything. Yeah. And he they they were, I mean, look, in hindsight, they were definitely not foreshadowing, but they had definitely tried their hardest to like tie up his his character arc. Like they were like, yo, he like like when that episode that was just about him being being pranked by Lucifer. Oh yeah, which was also another great episode that I love that they did. Yeah, and the whole time he was just at the end of it, he was like, no, I'm actually good with it. I think I needed it. And after that, he's like pretty amicable with everybody. Like he's like not he's he has reached resolution as a character, which almost doesn't. He he even had that like cathartic moment with the lady goddess where he was just like. Oh my God, 
here you are and now we're friends and oh my and you're moving oh this is weird yeah yeah he they did wrap him up well it does and it does which kind of sucks that he that apparently he was still haunted by his own guilt which sent him to hell but did it i don't okay so that's actually my number one complaint with this entire series but we can leave that aside if we want to but it doesn't make sense that sociopaths get to go to heaven and everyone else goes to hell yeah, I don't know. What? If, I don't know if that's what? true. I know. I know that they say that's that. That's how I felt. That that's how I felt. They don't, they don't say that in, in explicitly. What they say is that what what sends your, you to hell is that is, is your guilt. Yeah. And if you ha- experience guilt and emotional turmoil, you go to hell and relive it forever. <laughs> so, so if you not, have no guilt, if clear. you're free from guilt, yeah, you go to clear. hell. It's not clear if you're super evil. And you don't feel guilt. No, 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 no. You see, that's the thing. It doesn't matter what you do. What matters is what you feel. This is my major criticism. I completely disagree with this. I don't think it's... But the show presents it as such that the thing that keeps you trapped in hell because anyone can leave hell at any time once they escape their own personal guilt is you have to have... You have to carry guilt into death. And that sends you to hell. And if you don't feel anything, you go to heaven. Ooh, what a message, man. So sociopaths are the only people in heaven. I mean, I don't know. I know. It's a very cynical interpretation, but that's what I got. I'm not sure. And it seems it's either it's either a very clever or very lazy criticism of Christianity. I'm not sure, to be honest. Hey, ooh, okay. uh, and yeah, uh, I'm not sure either. And so yeah see um although you know here's a good example i don't know maybe there might be it might not be the feeling of guilt it might be the logical sense of guilt like maybe a psychopath or a sociopath or whatever I, I don't. I don't want to misattribute these these terminologies. But someone who is incapable I, yeah, of feeling we guilt, we are playing. We we are playing with terms that are loaded. So yeah, someone who is incapable or capable of feeling the emotion of guilt may know or understand that they are guilty, and that would be might be enough to, because there are people in hell who don't who didn't who didn't really feel guilt, like the the Mister Set Out bitch guy. Okay. He he's not like racked with guilt, but I think. He, on some level, understands his relationship with doing a wrong, even if it's not a deeply emotional one. And that was enough to for- send him to hell. I don't know. The parser or the filter between heaven and hell might be more, might have more finesse than that. But well, not, but, it Dan, but it sent, Dan, but it sent Dan to hell. So I don't know if it does. And it, uh, it's a and show. That's what I'm. <laughs> it is. It is. It, it is a show. It is. Now, it is explicitly not based on Christian theology. And so we should divorce them. But the point is, is I'm just like, I, I didn't like it on my own personal morals, not right. tied to Christianity. I was like, no, I don't like that. That's what sends you to hell. Yeah, I also, I, mean, I also didn't, I feel like guilty it. about insulting somebody accidentally. Is that yeah. Cause there are I've... people who are, who are generally good people, but who are overly racked with guilt. Would they be then sent to be? And that's, and yeah. I guess maybe that's just my own, personality reflecting on the show yeah 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 I, I i agree with you that it is very it is it is not it is not a good system as presented and 
Also, but you know, I feel like that they do play with that too, where Lucifer shows up on the guy that kills Dan, and Mazikeen kills everybody except for the, the the guy who did it. And Lucifer just like whispers in his ear after revealing that he has got red eyes. And I wonder if if what he I, they 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 I think they knew there was nothing they could write that would be substantial and, enough. Yeah, yeah right. but I I wonder if what he did was essentially con- like through his exposure of himself did his best to confirm that that guy would go to hell you know i mean by like by like revealing that god and heaven and hell are real and that he is going to pay that he will pay for his sins it like traps that man in a loop within himself which will then send him to hell upon death trapping himself inside of a loop and to back it up a little bit so hey dane the concept of hell in the story is you go to hell and you relive the most painful, guiltiest feeling you ever felt the moment in time over and over again, no matter how long or short it is, based on that sense of mourning and guilt. And unless you confront it, you don't get out. And no one ever gets out. Well, Mr. Set out, Mr. Set out bitch got out. But that's... And I get the feeling, and go with me on this one, Brent, is that... It's somewhat tied to the fact that Lucifer wasn't supposed to be a punisher. He was supposed to be a guide. Yeah, and that was him. That was him acting on that role for the first time. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, the point is, it's a very complicated show. It's really fun. It's stupid. It's narcissistic. It's violent at times. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I really enjoy it. And speaking of charismatic leads who are vaguely British, Loki. Yeah, full spoilers up to season up to episode three. We're not going to discuss episode four, which as of recording is the most recent episode. I guess I want to start off with what were your thoughts on the show before watching it, just based on the trailers or your general consumption of the marketing material. I want to start with Dane on this. What you, what, what were you what were you thinking? If I'm going to be completely honest, I was really excited to see Owen Wilson in something. I feel like I haven't seen Owen Wilson in a while. I really enjoyed Owen Wilson growing up. Shanghai Noon with Jackie Chan was one of my favorite movies growing up, among with some others. I just I think Owen Wilson's just a really fun actor. I was pretty excited for that. I wasn't really into Loki as a character. And then I thought the idea of the TV was pretty cool. But then I got pretty excited once I started seeing more information. Well, I guess that's not before the show. So I will... Stop my commentary there. Adam, what did you what were you what were your thoughts on it? Okay. I mean, I didn't have the same level of attachment to Owen Wilson, which, you know, he's pretty funny. He does a good job. Probably less than he's given credit for. I agree with you, Brent. I did not overly care for the character Loki. I don't understand where his I don't know following came from. He is interesting and different and I think this television series made him far more compelling than he was in the actual film franchise. I thought this was like, oh, wow. Okay, so they're actually going to explore what it's like to be Loki, the character, instead of as him set in Thor's radius. So this is an improvement. I do like what they're trying to do with the time authority. It's an interesting concept. And yeah, Loki's Loki, the series is fun. I enjoy it. I was just excited. I I I do like Loki. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Maybe yeah, I misheard you. That was Dane. 
I, mean, I think he's oh, okay. Yeah, my, I think he's bumbling. Body. I think he's bumbling, but I like that about him is that he's not is that he's he he's putting on this facade, you know, about the level of which at which he is evil, like or his capacity for evil. You know, it it speaks a lot to the complexes that he has as a character. And granted, a lot of this stuff they had to like uh, grow into. You know, I think they were trying to sell him as an actual villain that was just funny in in the, in the 2012 Avengers. But then they kind of got an understanding of the character that they wanted to sell better later. Right. Yeah. And here we are nine years later. Yeah. And I think the show is pretty good. I did. You know, I think it. Oh, I'm so sorry. Let's talk about the show now. Proper. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't really. I said time authority, which was apparently going too far. Uh, so, Dane, Dane, uh, what did you think? Of, what do you think of the show? I like it. I like that they're exploring uh, Lady Loki. I also like how they uh, uh, there's certain aspects of Loki's character that they seem to be embracing this time around. I guess on this file, it mentions uh, his fluid gender, and they've made references to him being bisexual. So in a cinematic universe where they've kind of haven't really touched those themes at all. It's nice to see that they're doing some of that. I probably like WandaVision more than it right now. I probably put it above Winter Soldier and Falcon right now. Uh, Falcon Winter Soldier. I kind of watch more of it to really get a firm opinion of it. I will also say that I think I probably like the Mandalorian more than any of the Oh Marvel no! You've, so you, you, you've exited Marvel. I can't yeah, what are you, even yeah, what are you doing eject. Right now? What the eject. fuck are you doing? Yeah, what the fuck? What yes, the, fuck the is Mandalorian that? is. Yeah. The Mandalorian's fantastic. Yeah, we're, what the fuck does here. that even mean? Like, yeah, I, I, what, like, okay, yeah, I think The Sopranos is a better show. Like, what? At what point do we stop? Right? Like, have what? you ever seen Game of Thrones? Well, that's a bad show, so don't put that one. No, on no, no, it's perfect. It, there's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> Go I watch like. It. I like. What's another? I like Luther more than I like any of these shows. What? Come on. Anyway, yeah. the point is, is that, yes, The Mandalorian is a great show, but nothing to do with Marvel. Gonna, we'll stick in the Marvel yeah, if you, Like, but like, so you said you like WandaVision more. I They're both with playing that. with. Uh, OK, but Dane said he liked WandaVision well, I, more. Well, I don't think he's right. I think he's wrong. <laughs> OK, great. Why do you like WandaVision more than this show? Because they're both playing with concepts of reality, time, the universe. They're both very kind of hard to follow if you're not comfortable with those concepts i think i liked the themes next themes the way i thought wandavision was very clever how they did each decade of uh, it's more for meta reasons that i liked wandavision more than loki i just think i think it was more uh, interesting how they changed styles from like the i love lucy and bewitched and all that i I just thought it was really clever how they did that and then uh, Agatha was a fantastic villain, I thought. I mean, maybe the big baddie of Loki will also be intriguing, but I, I will I will hold, hold final judgment until the series is over. But as of right now, I think I like WandaVision more. And that's fair. So, Brent, why is he wrong? I think WandaVision's good. I think it was okay. I think WandaVision's villain was lazy. I mean, it was fun, but I do think it was lazy. I think the third act of WandaVision had interesting things to, to do, but that it couldn't resolve any of them. And at the end of it all, we it was two people floating on a green screen with with colors going off in the background, which is like one of my least favorite conclusions to these movies. Something that Marvel famously does is kind of fumble on their third acts. I think Winter Soldier right now. I think WandaVision and Lo- I think it's WandaVision at the bottom. Still, I'm not saying it's bad by any means. I just don't think it's as good. Loki right now is second. I think I'm, I think where I'm actually most intrigued is I think Winter Soldier was 
Very good. I think Winter Soldier is the top one for me right now, just because of how much it delved into race and the literal what what it would mean for a black man to be Captain America in today's society. I think mm-hmm. which is a lot of play. Look, messing with time and and fairly like nuclear. I'm sorry. With well, a word for the word for a, like your family unit. Familial. No, like your direct family unit. Anyway, uh, familial. Uh, <laughs> I think it's nuclear family. I feel like. Oh, you know that is the yeah. And those concepts, I think, are fairly universal, right? Or, or they're not too much of a stretch, or they're not too risky for Disney to explore. Same thing with Loki. I think Loki's not. I think Loki's doing interesting things with the character. I think Loki's telling an interesting story. I don't think it's a risk for Disney to tell the story that it's telling, outside of the weird implications of of whatever the weird connection Loki and Sylvie have at the end of that third episode. But but Winter Soldier is a risk for Disney, right? I mean, acknowledging or confronting, even in in the shallowest way that it can or that it might be doing the racial tensions and the racial history of America is not something that I personally expected from Disney or Marvel. You know what I mean? This is this is the same universe that in Civil War, when they were going to dip their toes into the consequences of these battles that we've been seeing at that point, eight years. I think Civil War came out in 2016. Yeah. You know, they, they were like, look, you guys have to have rules. You have to have this accord here because you guys are dangerous. You know, you're saving things, sure, but people are getting hurt. They were very, very gun shy with that because they had a, up on the screen during that conversation with General Ross, they had General Ross like point to casualty reports from these events. And in, in the attack on New York, Something like a hundred people died, maybe closer to a thousand for for when they dropped an entire city down back on the earth from hundreds hundreds of feet in the air. These are not real numbers, right? They were they were like touching on something that was real or like 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 potentially serious, and they pulled back on it. So that's for me that kind of set the tone that. Disney Marvel is not going to be really honest about what some of this stuff might be like. Black Panther took some steps towards that in in a very Killmonger, you know, represents or or not represents, but Killmonger was clearly frustrated by the potential of this country having not been out there to support other black black, black other disenfranchised black people or just disenfranchised people with its power and its 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 science. I mean, even the and rest in peace, Chadwick. Even Black Panther didn't at the end. He's like, we're going to open up our borders. Didn't really. It was better than a lot of things. More than Disney would, I thought at that time, say anything about anything. And then come Winter Soldier shows up, and they're just start straight up talking about black heroes, black Americans, black people being experimented on in a horrible way, and not getting the credit for it, and being shunned or being destroyed from like this history along with their humanity and their personhood being destroyed and that and also dealt with the like the white allyship and how sometimes that can be very fragile or very insensitive when not applied correctly when Steve Rogers and Bucky were just thinking about the shield as a symbol of their friendship and a symbol of the things that they represent with each other and their morals and principles not at all considering or understanding the implications of a black man carrying that shield with a flag on it, the American flag. And it's like Bucky kind of owning up to that, kind of owning up to he didn't get it. 
right? He didn't understand and that he's learning and he's trying to be better. Something that a lot of people who watch these things because of their own political beliefs or, or stuff were never going to be willing to, and this show is not going to change that for most of them, acknowledge that either A, they fully disagree with it, right? They're, they're the polar opposite of, of us and they're not, they're not at all concerned with the critical race theory or the tensions that are rising in this country because of the systemic racism that has defined and shaped all of the systems that we live in. And then there are people who are considered themselves to be progressive or allies or who or or even consider themselves to just not be concerned with race like they they perceive themselves to be living in a post-race society and being challenged by this and them likely getting frustrated by it you know i mean there's a lot of people in the in america who are by any metric not a clan member but by every uh, by every other by every other metric shy of that you know participating in some form of racism and benefiting from it in some way and never acknowledging that and being unwilling to because they yeah yeah. i i mean i'm kind of sad now that i didn't get a chance to watch the show i have no context for the show itself but i have every context for your broader points which is just like man (laughs) how are we supposed to really reconcile the facts I hear all that, but at the same time, I th- I just think that I, you want to say that WandaVision had a bad villain. The supposed villain in in Falcon and the Winter Soldier was they went out of their way to they had like really interesting villains that are like you know trying to approach like how governments just like you know will abuse their people for political ends, and then they just made them into these like cartoonishly bad people. Because they they killed some people, like it's it just they never but they never did that. The perception from bad Captain America and from the media is that, but from our Captain America, the previous Falcon, he never perceived them that way because he was able to look past. Look, he knew that they the way that they were going about things was not something that he could get behind or that he could agree with. But he never perceived them as evil. He never perceived them as beyond saving. He thought they were misguided. And he still held that that leader of that of that group in fairly high regard near the end, even though she was at that point galvanized into a much more aggressive posture position. He refused to kill her. And if anything, it, it, it even handled bad Captain America. I think kind of it could have been better, but it handled him in the sense that he's not a, he he himself was not like some supremacist or some, you know rage monster he was a he's likely he's suffering from the effects of being broken down as a soldier and the lack of aftercare that we provide to our veterans and how he wants to do good and he doesn't fully understand why his good isn't the good that the uh, that bucky and falcon could get behind and dealing with the fact that he wasn't a good pick for captain america because even in the end right he saves those people because he's not He's, he did murder that one guy, but he's not a serial murderer, right? That The problem is that I think he still doesn't fully understand why that's not okay. But I think that's even a more nuanced take than it could have been, right? He could have just been the U.S. agent that we get in comics, which I'm pretty sure is just a fucking mass murdering supremacist. Like they don't, maybe they don't call, codify him as a, they don't say he's a supremacist, but he's codified that way. Okay. Well, I mean. Brent, I feel like, unfortunately, you're kind of talking beyond my realm of knowledge here. I, well, I you know, Dane's here. He can he can yeah, counter me. I know. I'm just I'm just 
offering a space just i don't somebody explain to me what's going on with this particular no, series I mean, is, I, it, is I, it that in the I, context of modern defund the police what are we dealing with no i mean it's there's a group called the flag smashers and their whole thing is like things were better back during the blip because humanity came together to like solve problems and stuff and 9 11 in, in a more micro in a more micro way too they were like when the blip happened borders became pointless or became less enforced and there was oh, a lot okay. of like people who were disenfranchised were allowed to group into this now available re- the thing it was essentially communicating that the thing that thanos wanted to happen was happening like oh look we have all these empty homes we have all these empty re- all these available resources let's spread them to the people who need them now and after post the return all of those resources have to be reallocated all of those homes have to be re-given or how do you oh my god so this is oh man so how do you deal with the nuance of that you know what i mean you like like, if you're living in a a ukraine and you get and you move to france because of the blip and you're living in these homes that are were were, that were abandoned not by choice granted and then all of a sudden the the original the original owners come back was the there's a gray area there how do you handle that and oh, wow. and the flag smashers dealing and the, and the flag smashers are dealing with the I forgot what the the the, re, the reconciliation council is called, but they're dealing with how the reconciliation council is generally leaning towards the pre blip status quo, which didn't serve them or didn't from their perspective didn't serve the most disenfranchised peoples, and they just happen to take a very terrorist slash violent approach towards that, and it gets progressively worse because of the leader becoming galvanized and realizing that they're not they're not willing to talk it out. And how and it shows that Falcon deal, dealt with the same thing, right? Falcon is a well-known hero and couldn't get a bank loan to save his his family's boat. They would they just wouldn't give it to him. They wouldn't help his family. And how he's also frustrated by the systems and them returning to the status quo and how they didn't serve to protect or support the disenfranchised or the the people in America, specifically black people for him, because that that's his community. And and the and the implications of all of that, he just couldn't get behind how the flag smashers were dealing with it. This to me, it sounds like a pretty solid criticism of modern day America, given the COVID crisis, the rental crisis, and now the eviction crisis since it's July second. I do think it. Yeah, I do think it, it did try to vie away from too much of that. You know, but I just I don't. I'm not. It's seeing, hard to not. It's hard to not connect. Yeah, the, the, just, the two I dots. don't know. Maybe I'm just a victim of my own cultural moment. But like, that's what I'm hearing. And bad. Yeah. And and Falcon gives up the shield at the beginning of the show because he has very mixed feelings about the responsibility attached to that and how he would be perceived or accepted as Captain America, being a black person, and also Oof. some some also some non-racial. He has to live up to Steve Rogers, right? That's his one of his best friends and this symbol of integrity that everyone else strives to be closer to. And he's wondering if he's anywhere near that to some extent. And the government, the U.S. government assigns this soldier, this veteran. I mean, he might, might have been active duty up until that point, but they assign him the shield instead of putting it in the museum. And they brand him Captain America. He's a, he's a product more than he is Captain America. And... He's kind of like Captain America was at the beginning of his career. Exactly. It it does parallel that a lot is that there's okay. this product and whether and what Captain America chose to do when he faced the crossroads between being a product and being a hero, he chose to be a hero. And this bad Captain America is trying to do the same thing, but the path that he is taking is more violent, less and is more marred by modern military indoctrination and stuff like that, you know. Gotcha. And yeah, no, I'm just 
man, I have no idea what this series is about. And I feel like I probably should watch it. That's what that's my takeaway. Yeah, I would definitely like to hear what you think of the Flag Smashers, because to me, it's felt like uh, a mainstream kind of critique of others extremists on both sides. So, you know, it felt like they were equivocating, you know, wanting people to have uh, a fair shot at things and be closer to equals and bring down class structures is not the same as, you know, being racist america you know what i'm saying yeah and the flag smashers aren't that they're they're just the class structure part of it there's i think there's less connective tissue between the american aspect of it outside of our relationship with with race no, that's what I'm, but that's what i'm saying is that there's a, clearly a critique of the racist history of america yeah but that has nothing to do with the flag smashers all of that is all of that all of that stuff is in connection with with falcon deciding to be captain america it's, the Flag Smashers are, um, are, are, are a quote-unquote diverse group and are, are largely unconcerned with the Captain America label, with the intricacies of that, the nature of, of American... No, I mean, they specifically want to bring down Captain America because they think they are aware of the history and what it means. They, no, That's... they want to bring down they want to bring down bad Captain America because he's in opposition and a representation of the Reconciliation Council. He's the new Captain America, pre-Falcon being Captain America, is the personification of the restructuring of society to its original status quo. And that's why in their opposition to it, not because it's a representation of America's racist history. That's that's Falcon's issue with the shield, not even with the new Captain America. You know, new, his issue with new Captain America is that he doesn't think he lives up to Steve Rogers' legacy. But his relationship with that shield is that it's a representation of American racist, the American racist history that we have. And they're not concerned. They're like the reason they wouldn't even they don't I don't think they would care if Captain America did not show up. They would not care as long because he if he did not oppose them in their politics directly, he, they would not care about Captain America. I, I think that what's happening is that there's multiple interconnected relationships between the different symbols in place. And that they're that, but they're not all about each other at 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 the same time, is what right. is how okay. I read it. Okay, so help me out here, Brent. Do you really think that Marvel Studi- Studios, Disney, is trying to do that, or is that like uh, trying to do what specifically? What you're describing, where they're just trying to take on the various symbols and challenging the iconography. Oh yeah, this- and no, in no uncertain terms, with Falcon's relationship to the Shield. They are trying to tackle the 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 frustration that that or the apprehension that that Falcon would feel about the shield as a symbol of America, no. considering no, America's yeah, I... treatment of black people. Because okay. there is a there is a there is a black super soldier that they introduce right. who was who was part of the he was part of their attempts to recreate the formula and they experimented on him. They right. tried to yeah, deploy yeah. him. They he went and did the exact same thing that Steve Rogers did, which is he broke out of his containment to go save some of his friends who were taken captive, and they put him in jail for it. And they tried to delete his identity. And okay, his, yeah, it's a direct parallel. Okay, I get you. But do do you think this is in keeping with? Is this okay? Forgive me for making this argument but do you think this is just disney trying to capitalize on the moment and selling the story i think it's part of that for sure you can't you can't ever you can't ever take any corporate entity at face value fully like there's always some kind of because i'm just trying to understand why they would make this very if 
your argument is to be accepted, which it sounds really good. Are they trying to make this argument about American culture? Or th- is this Marvel think, Studios going rogue? What is No, this? no, no. I think it is 100% the product still. Right? Okay. Everything has to be taken with that sense. But I also yeah, think, I also think just... that Anthony Mackie, the guy who plays Falcon, was himself very vocal with the company about his concerns about the implications and the whitewashing mm. of him just taking the shield without criticizing it at all. I think I think he was a strong force behind telling this part of the story. Cool. So in many ways, it's always a product, right? They're not good. The, Disney's not good. Marvel's not good. They're not. They're not operating in good faith. Yeah. I mean, you know, they may perceive that to be the case, but by being arbiters of, of no, by being arbiters of capitalism, they they cannot inherently do so. But Anthony Mackie, I think, as an individual, is very concerned about it. Has very strong opinions about it, and rightly so. And I think was unwilling to take on the mantle of Captain America without having something to say about it. And this show okay. took an opportunity to do that. Oh man. Okay. In that light, this show sounds fantastic and should definitely be viewed. And I think, I mean, I think it's a good show. Watch it. I think Loki has the, has the opportunity of being very cool and interesting, but in its own separate way, in a more internal introspection, you know, the, the you know, discussing the nature of free will, et cetera, and that type of thing. But as far as like connecting to real world, you know, yeah, action. If you're looking of, for a like a theological, philosophical point of the nature of free will, watch Loki. If you're looking for a more nuanced interpretation of patriotism and racism, watch Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, and I think One Division conversely has very little to say about anything. Oh, like like a, well, it, it has. It, it talks about the nature of grief. It does talk about grief. You're right. And I so I retract. If you if it does talk about the nature of grief and trauma to a large extent. So actually I fully take that back. Monovision is a very good is a is a very good by the nature of Disney and Marvel. <laughs> right, uh, yeah. yeah, as the being being the the the, the qualifier uh, dissertation or discussion on trauma and grief. Anyway, Dane, go ahead. No, I just I you know, I I completely agreed about I did enjoy the Falcon and Winter Soldiers views on race. I I think I posted on Facebook like this is I'm amazed that Disney put out this content. We need more television like this. I agree. But when I look at it from a whole, I just I, I if I were to have any critique, I would have just gotten rid of the flag smashers because I just I found it absolutely ridiculous. I mean, maybe it's just I maybe I'm just over empathizing with the organization because I feel like I'm more politically aligned with them than maybe you're supposed to be with the villains. But I just, they just, it just felt over the top with, with how like, Oh, 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 we don't want to be too sympathetic to them. They're going to kill innocent people out of nowhere. And it's just, I don't know. Her radicalization like that just did not feel real. It felt so forced. And then let's also not forget. I don't know how you felt about the whole power broker thing, but I, I didn't find that believable. Now, Power Broker was the laziest part of that show for sure. I wouldn't even, <laughs> I wouldn't even, I don't, not, I'm unwilling to address that at all. But Adam, I would, I would watch that show and come back and see where, where between the two oh, of us man. you, you lay no, out. I mean, I mean, I, need, I now have to watch both the shows. That's the yeah. problem. Is like I haven't seen either Wandavision or Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So, uh, oof. I think it's more contentious um, between. A, I think it's more contentious between us if you want for Winter Soldier is more contentious. Not Winter Soldier, but yeah, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Watch that one first and let us yeah, know what you think. The one it's because of the one you like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, I think it's because we have more aggressive opinions about it. Uh, yeah, well, they, the the thing is, is like Marvel 
is desperately trying to also cling to relevancy now that they're after Endgame. So I'm interested to see how they're doing it. And so far, it sounds like they're doing a pretty good job between the three. Like, what is trauma? What is the nature of free will? And what is the nature of racism in America? These are good questions, and I'm very interested to explore all of them. It does make me a little so. This is kind of meta now, but I don't know if you well, guys know this. But the for original, meta. I think I'm not sure if he was director and writer or just the director of Doctor Strange into the Multiverse of Madness. He wanted he left the the project, and it sounded like he had a disagreement with Disney because he wanted to make it more like a horror movie. So while they're exploring these different themes and different structures in television, it does sound like they don't have that sort of flexibility in the movies, but. That's yeah. because the budgets are bigger and Marvel is is historically infamous for this type of control, aggressive posturing with control. In Disney. This is Disney's No, I was edict. gonna say that's just does it's just Disney. Yeah. I mean they're this is this is this has been going on for a while. They're very why, aggressive. Like Ant Man was from f- the same thing. But why do they give the flexibility to the television shows? Just the budget's just, lower. The risk budget. is lower. Yeah, I mean the risk is lower, right? If the show bombs, they're gonna get their look. There's no, there's not a one to one from the the profit motive is different, right? The you know people are yeah. likely to watch the entire series of the show or do that because it is what they want is they don't care even if people watch. They just want people to not unsubscribe to the there to the is. product. That's, that- that's the real motivation. So viewing right? numbers, viewing numbers are not irrelevant, right? They are communicators of what type of content they should drive, but only as it relates to keeping people subscribed to the platform. But movies are different in that they have to sell the tickets, right? Even and because the budgets are so high, they, in order to make the return on their investment at 150, 200 million dollars, maybe even more, you know, they have to sell tickets. You know, you see that with Raya, you see that with Black Widow. These things that are that other like HBO Max has comparatively just dropped the movies onto their platform for a period of time when they come out with a deal with with Warner and and Legendary. But, you know, Disney's charging you 30 bucks to see these things because they spent a lot more money and they have to make that money back. They cannot write it off onto the shows onto Disney Plus's yearly income. And because of that, and also and also, yeah, and, and also they they could, but they they, they, they want to yeah, they want to they want to make triple that money. And also from the from the movie perspective, if there's some aspect of this that is that is the movies are the like are canon in a way that the shows are not. The shows are obviously canon, but they can play a little bit more fast, a little bit more loose with the shows, whereas the movies are representative of the universe. And, and they're there very, becomes a question yeah. of audience. Yeah, they're very that, and they're very tight. They're very tight about the control of that. Yeah. Um, and that and that's actually arguably what's made the MCU so successful is their interlocking autocratic nature. <laughs> like they have to keep these things tight so that they can sell the product as one continuous story. And interestingly enough, I didn't realize that Sam Raimi had taken over as director. Hmm. I have. I'll probably watch. I mean, I'm gonna. I'm gonna watch them regardless. What am I think? What am I saying? But now that Sam Raimi's involved, I'll. I'll give it a little bit more focus. <laughs> nice. Um, he's one of my childhood. I think Sam Raimi is one of the more formative directors for me. You know, a, a, a real film buff was probably interested in Kubrick or Spielberg, but I was concerned with Raimi and and Ridley Scott and the more oh, horror lean. Okay. Of things, I guess. With that being said, if you want to talk about Lancer, yeah. Well, I, I as I mentioned, I like the alliteration. So we got 
Lucifer, Loki, that, that sort of became a discussion of uh, Marvel series in general. But I thought maybe we could round out the discussion with some role play talk. I don't think we usually talk about that aspect of our hobbies at all. We had a whole uh, episode about it. I, I mean, that communicates that you don't listen to the show, so that's fine. Which episode oh was that? God. Was that on that episode? The one where we yeah, had miniature, miniature mashup on. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was we had a guest, and that was we didn't really talk about. I guess we did talk about Dungeons and Dragons. This a is bit. a new hobby. Dane yeah. is talking about a new hobby. Brent. Yeah, Dungeons and Dragons has only existed. A, Dungeons and Dragons. Oh my famously, god! Do you want to talk about Gary Gygax Jr.? No, no. Dar- Dar- Dungeons and Dragons famously was developed, written, and published by Matt Mercer in the year of our Lord twenty twelve, and didn't exist oh prior to that. Stop! <laughs> You're killing him. Uh, Stop! Uh, so my friends introduced me to this cool new system it feels like really designed with the internet in mind more so than any other system i've i've dealt with so the system is called lancer and it's completely compatible with this tool called companion con where you can like build your character in it it's totally free you have access to a bunch of the starting content for free there's some $25, $25, you can buy the source book, and there's another one module available as well. Uh, I have not played this game, but I'm, I'm told that mechanically it's kind of similar to Titanfall, where you oh. have your pilot is capable of doing stuff outside of their mech, but a lot of the combat is in the mech. And I haven't played the game yet, admittedly, but just based on the rules and building my character, it seems to be this interesting combination between a dice system like Dungeons and Dragons. So the dice you need are 2d6 and a d20. But there's also like some fate mechanics where you give your character certain things that they're good at. And if you can apply that appropriately, then you get bonuses. So it's, it, there's not really stats. There are stats for the mechs. Like you can get like additional health points or movement and stuff like that. But as far as like skill checks, it, it is sort of like these more abstract concepts. Like my first character I made has like investigate. So anything relating to research a subject, study something, great detail, read a situation. And then like another one's read a situation and staying cool. So there is sort of this like more role playing, less mechanical feature to it. And yeah, you kind your level up is also different in that you so you get to increase your stats and you get more bonuses. But the interesting way is the way you can customize your mech. You unlock licenses. So there's different manufacturers of mechs that kind of each specialize in something different. And each manufacturer has like six different mechs. And so you can like put a lot of licenses into one manufacturer and get additional deeper into their tech trees, so to speak. Or you could from different manufacturers uh and kind of mix and match so it's pretty are you sure you're not describing like an anime series <laughs> about gundams i feel like you're just i feel like you're describing gundams it the, has the mech... some gundams to it yeah the mechs the, i'm looking at some of the mechs and they do vary from gundam looking to to evangelion looking to very yeah, okay. very iron harvest like so basically steve steve will be here for it oh for sure this game yeah. was made for Steve. I hope Steve's doing all right. I haven't seen Steve. Yeah, Although I'm getting lunch with them tomorrow. So. You're getting lunch with co-host, fellow co-host Steve tomorrow? I am having lunch with fellow co-host Steve tomorrow. Nice. Where like Is he in, in your town or are you going to his town? Are y'all uh, that close by? Yeah, he's like 40 minutes away. Our mutual friend is grabbing lunch with him. And then 
the mutual friend was like, hey, do you want to come? And I was like, I haven't seen Steve. So, yeah. It's weird that you guys are only 40 minutes away and you don't see him more often. He's busy. COVID's a thing. That's true. And he's he got has a kid. A, he's got a child. He's got babies. He was in Germany. He I mean, was in Germany for yeah. a long time. This Man's rule book, busy, this rule book is 200, 260 pages long. I, and I intend to do some reading of that this weekend. Yeah, one of um, us needs to commit to reading it and then being able to teach the rest of us. <laughs> oh, it's a pretty <laughs> simple system so far. But anyways, I've owned a house. I'm a homeowner, as we've touched upon in several wait, episodes. Wait, what? Yeah. yeah. Um, You're a filthy uh, landlord. Got it. I'm a filthy yeah, lord of my own land. So I've been in the house for a year and a half. No one's been in my house. Because you uh, bought it right no, not just even before. You. you bought it yeah. just before COVID. Just before COVID. It's, wow. It's crazy. So, Dane, you got to throw us a party. Yeah. yeah, buy me a plane ticket. Yeah, just buy us. Just right. if you want to, you up. can totally stay in my basement. I mean, how many bedrooms is your house that I that I have to uh, stay in the basement? The fun thing is, that technically, my house is zero bedrooms. I don't understand. Oh, so you have because, just rooms and a kitchen? Yes, because there is no closets. Oh, that's how actually many, a law. How many? That's a law. How many separated spaces that might be called a bedroom were were they to have closets? Do you have? Technically two, but we converted one into an office slash closet. There is one bedroom, but our couch has a pullout. It's interesting. It's, <gasps> interesting it's very comfortable. Brent, just, we can be buddies. Yeah, we're gonna. I mean, we're definitely cuddling. It's interesting to me <laughs> that that a house would have any less than three three designated uh, sleep spaces slash office spaces. It's a very tiny house. Yeah. that I mean, that your basement looks massive, but that could just uh, be... It's the whole floor plan. So my I think my house is like 770 feet, square feet. It's tiny. Okay, yeah. And for those of you who aren't able to see what we're seeing, we can see Dane's basement is behind him, and it does seem like it stretches on into eternity. Well, you also yeah. have to remember that like I'm right in front of one wall. Like, yeah. It stretches on into yeah. eternity. It's, it's nigh um, infinite, is what he's saying. Yeah, seven hundred seventy square feet is a tiny house. Yeah, but that my house was on the market for a year and a half without a single bid on it. Like you that, think it, like because it, it cost four hundred and eighty-seven thousand dollars. You don't, you don't have to tell us how expensive your house is, but is it more or less than two hundred and fifty grand? Less, way less, almost half that. Okay, that's not bad then. I would say. That, no, as, as far as investments go, yeah, New, New England, yeah, we don't. Want it, to so it had two small bedrooms, and I think that's why no one wanted it. It's because one the bedrooms were so only? small. One bathroom, yep. Okay, what, yeah, what there, have, there's your problem. The bedrooms had closets in them that the flippers put in, but then when we bought the house, we actually ended up ripping out the closets. Oh, oh, to provide more I floor guess. space. Because our bed wouldn't even fit in there without doing that. So. Oh, uh, well, the shoot. attic is also very it's a full t- attic so long-term plan because we're not fucking boomers i don't view my house as just a piece of real estate or you know some commodity this is my house my home long-term plan is we want to renovate the second floor and put a master suite up there so that's oh man okay so that's pretty cool this yeah. episode is three l's and re l state yeah. Oh, there we go. Four L's, yeah. Uh, but back to Lancer. Um, yeah, I I'm very excited to play it. Also, it lives in a it's a it's in a pulse po, app post scarcity universe. So like you could just pick a bunch of equipment that you want. So it's and, just Star Trekian. Yeah, yeah. And then the licenses just kind of come into like, yeah, like you can make anything you want, but if you don't have access to it, then right. Okay, that's interesting. 
read up on it and get us give us more updates. I want to I want to buy weekly weekly update on your Lancer oh, reading. Also, they have this really cool world wise. They have like uh, these super AIs that are kind of like they exist in like the warp of 40k. Oh, yeah, it's pretty interesting. So humans like like create like these supercomputers that like ascend. Basically, I guess it's, it's oh yeah, really I'm familiar trippy. with the concept. No, Super no, that trippy. one's that's one I know of. I've heard oh, yeah? of that one before. Yeah, generally, I I'm, I'm very well versed in in AIs that have ascended to godhood because I've made a couple. Yeah, yeah. they're oh. currently functioning. Mm-hmm. One of them is running WandaVision right now. Yeah, he's running WandaVision to see if he could make a. Sorry, I apologize to see if they could make a better show of it. There um, you go. Projected outcome is 376 billion years. So yeah, uh, any minute now. Any minute now. You know, with that being said, if there's any way you could reach us, it's at popculturecake at gmail.com or popculturecake, the website slash. I don't actually know if there's a contact form in that. Just do the Gmail if you care. Uh, Or if you know any of us directly, you can do it that way. We're not going to share any socials, I'm assuming. Never. Dane, socials? Nope. And with that, it was a wonderful sit down that we had together this time in this moment in this in this in this magic moment. Under the ears of of our Lord Disney, and you guys can have a wonderful week. Okay, Demon Overlord, goodbye.